Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? I think a lot of you know who I am. Uh, for those who don't, my name's Eric. Um, I've been coming to CIV for 11 years now. I actually, the entirety of my Christian life has actually been at CIV. I became a Christian in college when I was a sophomore, uh, largely through the ministry of Christian Challenge at USC, which a lot of you know about. And growing up, I, I did go to church. I intellectually believed in Jesus, knew who he was, had heard about him, but I'd never come to that point where I actually turned to him in my heart, realizing that, you know, I was sinful, I had wronged him, and nothing I could do, no good grades, no success in life, no giving, none of that could could make up for it. Only Jesus could make up for that. So I realized that in college, I actually got baptized here at CIV in 2011, um, and my life has been totally different since then. So it's really fun for me to, to be up here and, and be speaking to you all. It, it's an honor, because I know a lot of people here have really impacted my life, so... Excited for today. I, I still volunteer with Christian Challenge, uh, ministering there, and then I work in the tech industry as a product manager too. So today we're going to be talking about focus, the focus of life. And when I'm talking about focus, what I actually mean is what is the priority in your life? This is where you're spending the majority of your effort, your time, your resources, your talents, all those things. It's the thing that you choose to put above everything else, no matter how difficult that gets. You know, no one really wants to waste their life, right? I think we would all say that we want to live a life that matters and counts. And the key is focusing on the right things. Now, what are the right things, right? That's the question. I think a lot of people have many different opinions on that. But as Christians, the Bible tells us quite clearly in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, what the focus of our life is. We'll see it up here on the screen in a second. But it's seek first his king, or the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That as Christians, needs to be the focus of our life, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, that's a big topic, what that actually entails. We could spend weeks and weeks and weeks talking about that. Essentially what it is, though, it's, it's living to glorify God in our lives. It's so obeying his commands, serving him, getting to know him, and then using our lives to help others get to know him as well. That's what it means to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And this is, according to Jesus, where you spend the majority of your time, your resources, your efforts as a Christian, the thing you prioritize above all other things, no matter how difficult that becomes. Now, if it was as easy as reading this verse and saying that is the focus, we could all go to lunch, and this would be the shortest meeting of CIV. But this message is not called focus, it is called refocus, as you see there, because the problem with us, it is very easy for us to lose our focus. Instead of building the kingdom of God, we all tend to gravitate towards other things, specifically building our own lives. Um, you know, we all have career aspirations. Maybe it's a certain retirement age you have in mind, maybe a lifestyle, a social media presence you want to build. But we all have these things that just pull us away from building the kingdom of God. And no one, no one is immune to this. The Bible is full of examples, if you look, of people who were very, very focused on building the kingdom of God, only to later kind of fall off. I mean, just look at King David. If you read King David's story, you read up to 2 Samuel chapter 11, stop there, you would think, wow, he was really focused. But then he sleeps with Bathsheba, commits adultery, commits murder, tears the whole kingdom apart. Right? David lost his focus. He started trying to build his own life, chasing his own pleasure and desires rather than building the kingdom of God. And just because you have a history, even a long history of walking with God, doesn't mean you will be able to stay focused for the majority of your life. You take a look at Solomon. You know, Solomon's really wise, started his life well. Then he lost focus too. He ended up sleeping with a thousand women, the Bible said. 
And in 1 Kings chapter 11, you see that really drew his heart away. He started building his own life. He lost his focus. Just because you're wise and knowledgeable does not mean you'll be able to stay focused for your entire life. Demas, another person in the Bible, maybe less known, but Demas is someone who labored with Paul, the Apostle Paul, maybe one of the most focused people who ever lived. Um, but in 2 Timothy 4.10, you see that Demas falls in love with the present age and loses his focus and, and leaves all that behind. Just because you are around other people who are walking with God and building the kingdom does not mean you'll be able to keep your focus your whole life. Now, those are good things, right? We ought to be around others. We ought to be growing in wisdom and developing a history of following God. But that is no guarantee that you'll be able to stay focused your entire life. I'm sure we all know someone, maybe even yourself at different times, who was walking with God maybe for years and then slowly started drifting away. And now, you know, maybe you're still going to church, things like that, but not really building the kingdom anywhere, really focused on other things. And I remember the first time I heard a talk like this, and I thought, there's no way this would ever be me. But this has been me. You know, I have lost my focus many times, many times. I think of work is, is, is a really good example for me. Clear focus there. I am there at work to use the gifts and talents God has given me to build a good product and, and serve people that way and also be a light to my coworkers. Love them, bless them, share Jesus with them. But over time, you know, I, I've lost my focus. I've been thinking more about promotions and money and work is more about, you know, my paycheck and, and the people there are obstacles uh, gain in the way of a higher paycheck instead of people who I should really love. You see, I've many times I've lost my focus at work. Focus is a lifetime thing. It's not just a one-time thing. So if you're thinking, well, that would never be me or maybe looking at the person next to you, I hope they're taking notes because they need to hear this. The truth is you need to hear this, and you don't need to hear this just today. You'll need to hear this and remind yourself of this tomorrow and the next day when you have kids, when you, you know, get married, when you start to retire, all these different things. Life is all about focus. It's a lifetime thing, and we're all going to lose it at some point or another. But this is supposed to be an encouraging talk, and the good news is you can regain your focus, and we're going to look at how you do that. So today, we're going to look at what I think is my anchor passage for this topic of focus and specifically regaining your focus. It's the passage I go back to again and again and again. When I realize I have lost focus, I am just totally off course building my own life instead of the kingdom of God. And it's actually the rest of the passage that ends in Matthew 6:33. So we're going to pick it up here in verse 19. It's going to be up on the screen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is speaking to a crowd, and he says this. And you can see what he's saying in this passage is the things we tend to lose focus on are temporary things. right? Things like money, career, certain lifestyle you want to live, a social status. They're things that are definitely enticing here on earth, and no one would argue that. They look really good here on earth. Then you die, and you find out heaven doesn't have a routing number. Heaven doesn't have TikTok, which is maybe is a good thing. Um, but, you know, these things will pass away. Maybe it's not a good thing if you really like TikTok. But what this passage is trying to show us is there's two different types of things. There's temporary things, but then there's also eternal things, right? Things that will last, and those are the things of the kingdom of God. You see, this passage shows us what is really going on behind the curtain when we lose our focus and start building our own life, what we're actually doing is we are trading in a few rusty coins, moth-ridden coins, for eternal impact, for things that will last. Really what you're doing is you are spending your one and only life 
building up a treasure that's going to be destroyed and, and wasted in the end. Now, you may look at that and think, well, I still have time. You know, I'm young. Maybe I'll get my fun in now. Or I've, I've built up so much treasure in the past. Like, does it even matter anymore? But you see, verse 21, there are further consequences to focusing on your own life, to losing your focus, than just, you know, treasure in heaven, right? Verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, building your own life is a slippery slope. And what you find is as you keep doing it, your heart drifts further and further and further away from God and his things to yourself. Again, think of Solomon. He didn't wake up one day and think, I'm going to sleep with a thousand women today. Like, that happened over time. You know, he was married, but then he looked over at someone else and someone else and more and more and more. And by the end, he ended up with his heart very, very far from God. Now, no one's heart is, is too far for God's grace, and that's not what I'm saying here, but it becomes harder. Your heart becomes harder and harder as you keep doing this if you don't take the time to get back into focus, back into building the kingdom of God. So we all have to figure out, you know, where's where's my heart right now? What is it that I'm really treasuring? Am I slowly being pulled away? Subtle, subtle at first, but over time, slowly being pulled away from God, losing our focus. Now, I think in answering this, we all tend to make a very similar mistake. So I think everyone here is, who is a Christian, you know, who has trusted in Jesus to, to pay the penalty for their sin and, and all that, no one, no one who's really a Christian would say, I don't treasure God. We all treasure God, right? I think the problem is we tend to treasure God and something. I treasure God and my career. I treasure God and my paycheck. I treasure God and the lifestyle I want to live. But that's actually really, really deceiving. Take a look at what Jesus says right after this in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The eye, you know, in, in Jewish literature is, is very similar to the heart. And so what this is saying, what Jesus is trying to get at here is someone with a clear focus, right? The eye that is healthy has the right priorities. Their, their whole life is full of light. But the other way, the one who has the bad focus, focused on themselves, focused on the temporary things, their whole life is filled with darkness and, and great is the darkness at that. There's no mixture, right? There's no like twilight or something like that. It's very stark, full of light. Fuller darkness. And the next verse, verse 24, really hammers it home. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I see it's not God and something. Reality is it is God or something. It's God or your career. It's God or money. It's God or yourself. We are not multitaskers. We can't do that. Scripture says, you know, Jesus says we can only have one focus at a time. And it's not that career and money and, and all these things are bad. It's that if you focus on them, again, if you prioritize them above everything else, that's when you get off track. And so if this is true, which hopefully you believe it is, I think it brings us to an interesting point, right? The question comes up, well, if this is true and I ought to focus on building the kingdom of God, well, then what about me? You know, I, I have needs, Who's, who's going to take care of me? Will I be able to fully provide if I'm focused on building up these eternal things? And so quickly, anxiety can come up, temptation to just throw it all away and abandon the eternal things. Well, again, Jesus knows us. He knew we would think this. 
And so he keeps going in the passage. The passage doesn't end there. So I'm going to read this. It's, it's a longer chunk of the passage, and then we'll talk about it. But it's starting in verse 25. Therefore, so in light of everything we just heard, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither soar nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, who you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? How will we pay off our debt? How are we going to fill our car with gas? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And here's the verse we started with. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all these things will be added to you. That's a a beautiful passage, I think. Um, You see, God promises here that if you stay focused, and then regain your focus when you lose it. If you prioritize building his kingdom, seeking it and his righteousness, who is going to take care of you? Well, God will. He cares for you. He loves you. You see, the very things that we worry about, the very things that pull us away from focusing on God, they were actually not our job to focus on in the first place. We have a loving heavenly father who deeply cares for us and promises, promises to give us those things. You are not the provider in your life. God is. I don't have it up here, but John 3.27 says a person uh, cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Everything we have is from God. And, And yes, you go to work, right? Yes, you earn money to buy food and things like this. God gave you that job. It's God who gives you the strength and the resource to do, to do those things. I just think about Jesus, right? In, in Jesus, God has given us, provided for us our, our deepest needs, that forgiveness for our sins. And so if God knows our needs, as it says right there, and promises to provide for them, it doesn't really make sense to lose our focus and chase after those things, to sacrifice our chance for this eternal impact that God wants us to have for something that he's going to give us anyway. That's why it says in verse 32, if, if, if you pull it back up, that the Gentiles chase after those things. The Gentiles here are people who do not know God, right? We do know God, though. We know he will provide. We can trust him. Now, be careful with this. God isn't promising here to build your life however you want. He's not taking orders or anything like that. You know, you may need to trade in some things in order to really live the life that God has for you, to really build his kingdom the way he wants I think for me, like being on staff with challenges has been a great example. That's been hard. Like it has been a sacrifice. There are things that come up that I'm just not able to do because I'm after work going, going to, to campus to, to be with the students. But that is what God has called me personally to do. That's what building the kingdom of God looks like for me right now. Um, and so, you know, if we really think this is true, that God will provide for us and that he will take care of us if we do focus on the right things, I think the sacrifice makes total sense, though. Right? You see, what these verses really are saying, what they really do for us is it really frees us up. All this stuff about the birds and the grass and how God provides for them, how he'll provide for us, it frees us up to boldly obey this commandment in verse 33, seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness. Boldly do that because we know God will take care of us if we do. Again, this doesn't mean don't have a job, don't invest, don't go on vacations, but we can have all that with an open hand. You know, God, take it if you want. That's not what matters most to us. It's not our focus. Now, beautiful promise, right? Awesome. It's one thing, though, I think, to read this and know that it's true. It's a whole other thing for it to be real in our lives, to actually live like it's true. And so this is the story of how this became real in my life. I was in college, senior year, thinking about going to grad school. Um, my parents were gracious enough to pay for all my undergrad, which is awesome. Um, but graduate was going to be on me, and I learned very quickly, USC, they like money, and they don't let you go there for free. Um, so I was going to have to take out a loan to go back. Um, and so as I was thinking about this, I had a very clear focus. I felt like as I was praying, God wanted me to go back for a couple of reasons. One, just to get a little more training in my career and, and learn a little more about um, my field. But also, I felt like I had more to to learn being a student in Christian Challenge and also more to give to as a student leader there. So clear focus. I know what God wants me to do. But then that reality of the finances just started coming in. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then there's also the other side of, well, that's a whole other year where I'm not working. And so I'm not earning money. And just all this stuff started coming up. I started losing my focus. And I remember sitting in class one day and just this fog of worry and anxiety. And I was running budgets in my mind and just all this kind of stuff. And I don't know about you, but when I'm anxious and, and worried, I think stupid things. And so I thought to myself, God, how am I even going to eat next year if I, if I like take on all this stuff? A little dramatic. I don't know. Um, and then I started thinking about this passage. I'd read this passage. I know this passage. And I started thinking about all the different ways God had provided to like, the Israelites. I thought about the manna in, in the Old Testament, literally bread from the sky, you know, the sky falling. And I had this image and this thought like God could literally make a sandwich fall into my hands, like, oh, you know, from the sky, if, if he wanted to. Wouldn't that be cool if your favorite sandwich just fell into your hands? That's exactly what I thought. But you see, this verse was true intellectually, but it wasn't real. So I thought that, like, yeah, he could do that. But then I kept worrying and it and didn't change how I was approaching the situation. So class ends, and usually what I would do is I would sit out in the e-quad and campus. Uh, it was in the evening time, so there was less people Around, I had about an hour till my next class, and I would just kind of sit and enjoy the evening and pray and enjoy being with God. But that day, I was so worried. And I like to pace when I'm worried, so I decided to walk around campus and be worried and think about money. Um, so I did, and I ended up near the business school, which I didn't go over there that, uh, that much. And I ran into an old acquaintance of mine. His name was Luke. We were on a project like two years prior to that. I hadn't seen him uh, since then, I, I never saw him again, so kind of just filtered into my life for that brief moment. And we talked for a little bit. Again, we we're just acquaintances, so we don't talk that long. And he has to go, and he tells me, hey, by the way, I was just in this event at, at the business school. A company was putting it on, and they had some food, but I don't want mine. Do you want it? He hands me this box. Inside the box, sandwich. Oh, right. I was like, <laughs> there's even a cookie in there, too. So, but... God showed me something in that moment. He wasn't kidding when he said that. He wasn't just like throwing that out there. He meant it. And not only did he mean it, he was faithful enough and powerful enough to bring it about. And so I, I went back to school. And guess what? I ate every single day. Probably gained weight, honestly. Like I, I was doing fine. Um, all my needs were taken care of. 
And God was able to provide just as he said. And this passage became real to me. And that was a great decision. You know, that led to me ended up being on staff with Christian Challenge. Uh, because of those choices, I ended up getting um, a job at a company called Sonosim, where I met my wife, um, saw a couple people come to Christ. Uh, a lot of people got jobs because of that. A lot happened because of that. God knew what he was doing. And by me deciding to focus on building his kingdom, he, he proved this was true and real. You know, has, has he provided for you in that way? Do you have a story like that? You see, this passage is not just text in a book or on a screen. This is real. This is reality. God can do this and will do this if we take him up on it, if we focus on the right things. Because now I've seen time and time and time again, God proved this to me as I've chosen to regain my focus and build the kingdom of God. You know, my hope is that you are also building up a library, if you will, of these stories. So what about today? What about you've, you're sitting here and you realize maybe you've lost your focus or maybe you never really have been on focus to begin with. How do you get back? Well, step one is we all have to realize where our hearts are. Verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We need to look really deep down, you know, at, at our core. What are we actually treasuring? Not what we want to say we're treasuring. What are we actually treasuring? You know, I think if you need help analyzing this, a great place to start is where are you spending your time and money? It's a great way to figure this out really quickly. You know, are you serving here at church? Are you present in the community? Do you take time to read scripture and pray and all that kind of stuff? What is your time and how you allocate it? Say about what you are really, again, truly treasuring. Again, I'm not here saying drop out of your job. God can use you to build your kingdom, build his kingdom at your job. You know, but what I'm saying, what, what are you actually focusing on? Same with money, right? What does your budget say you are actually at your core treasuring? We need to be honest with ourselves in this, in these like really tough, you know, you may not feel good about yourself after this, but it's important to getting back onto focus. We need to be honest. Step one, you have to figure out where your heart really is. Step two then, once you know that, you need to practice denying yourself. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either hit the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God or yourself. So you need to figure out with your time, your resources, the giftings that God has given you, how can you use to, use those not to serve yourself, but how can you use that to build his kingdom? Because you cannot serve God and yourself. You cannot serve God and money. And the final thing, and I think the most important thing, is you have to really trust God. Because if this... If he's not faithful, the whole thing falls apart. It, it, it's not going to matter. We have to trust God that when he said this, he meant it, that focusing on the kingdom of God is actually worth it. And let me tell you, that is really hard. Um, it's really hard. This is a difficult teaching to put into practice. You know, we need his grace to help us with this every single day. I certainly do. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I lose focus on all the time. Uh, for me, it's housing. Like, am I even going to live anywhere next year? You, you know how crazy housing prices are. God can make a house fall from the sky, but I don't know if I want him to do that. Um, but it's just a constant thing. You know, we're constantly bombarded with people, right, who seem to be, like, not following God, and their lives seem just fine. And so it's just so hard for us to stay focused. It's so hard for us to do this. So we need to really trust God and rely on his grace to do it. I also think that's why a community like this is so important. You know, we need each other to encourage each other. 
Hebrews 3.13, also not on there, but it says, encourage one another every day as long as it's called today, so that no one might be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Again, the things around us, it's deceitful. It looks like focusing on yourself. It works. It works. People do great. But remember these verses. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So we need each other. You know, I can think of plenty of stories just from, you know, the congregation of times God has provided. And I think of like the Underwoods and your house or the walkers and their dryer. This, this courtyard is an example. You know, when COVID kind of opened up, we were able to meet outside. Like we wouldn't have been able to meet together if God didn't provide. He provides. He does it. It's true. And so I think we need to come together and encourage each other. Keep going. Keep going. It's tough. It's hard. This is a lifetime thing. We need each other. And we need God's grace, most importantly. Um, what I would say is, again, this is a lifetime thing. Don't try to refocus an entire life in one day. Like just today, like this afternoon, it's not going to do it. You know, you have to consistently do this. It's going to be a process. Again, me at work, it was a process over a long period of time. And then I lose focus again and have to keep going. So what I would say is just choose one area to start. Like once you've done this heart analysis and figure out where you're at, pick an area where you can really start to get back on focus. Maybe tell someone at church about it, get their help, rely on God's grace to, to get you there. Because it is worth it. And it's worth it because the reality is every single person here is going to build something in life. Something. You know, we're all going to use our time, our resources, our talents to focus on something. But what you choose has eternal ramifications. It's really important what you choose. We're all actually like the three little pigs in the fairy tale. I know that's a wild left turn. You probably were not expecting to be compared to a pig this morning, but... Stay with me for a second. You'll figure out what I'm talking about. You all know the story, right? Three little pigs. One builds a house out of straw. One builds a house out of sticks. One out of bricks. Big bad wolf comes like sausage in the morning, wants to eat the pigs. He blows down the first pig's house, eats the pig. I'm not about the version where they somehow survive. Eternal ramifications. Pig one is dead. Pig two, same thing. The big bad wolf blows down his thick house, eats him. Pig three survives. Can't blow down the brick house, right? We all know the story. Why did the third pig survive? It's not that the other two pigs didn't build something. They all built something. A similar thing. They all built a, a structure of some type. Why did the third pig survive? It's because of the material that the third pig tried to use or chose to use. You see, we all build things in life. And honestly, they're the same kinds of things. We all build a career of some sort. We're all building relationships, a family. We're all building finances. But one day, instead of the big bad wolf... We're going to encounter God. God isn't going to ask for your pay stub, your resume, your credentials on your Instagram, all that kind of stuff. He's going to say, what did you choose to build with? We're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And the context of this verse is Paul is talking to people in the church. And they have different motives. Some of them are just there to to build up their own lives. Yeah, they're going through the motions, but they're really there to to build up their social status and look good and, and feel good about themselves. Others have good motives. They're focused on the kingdom of God and building that instead. And Paul here compares what's going to happen at the end of life for each of those groups. Starting in verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will, he will suffer loss, 
though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. See, what this is saying is, if you go back one slide, the material you use makes a difference. Some of it survives, some of it doesn't. If you lost your focus and and don't take the time, we're all going to lose our focus, but you don't take the time to regain your focus, um, at the end of life, you're going to show God a nice little pile of sticks and hay, temporary things. Impressive on earth, for sure. But it's all gonna, it's all gonna burn up. Fire is gonna reveal what it was. It was temporary. All that time, resources, effort, all the, all the sweat spent building that, it's, it's just not gonna matter. It's all just gonna vaporize. It, it was temporary. Now to be clear, this is not talking about salvation. God, uh, Paul is talking to Christians here. These are people who have trusted Jesus, but they will have no treasure in heaven because they spent their life building their own life here on earth. That would be devastating, wouldn't it? Just to to watch it all be done, everything that you worked for. But then there's the second scenario. There's the people who trust God, believe that this is real, act like this is real, and focus on building the kingdom of God as a priority. They are the ones who, in the passage, says, build with gold, precious stones, the things that will last. For them, when they encounter God, they see eternal reward. This is worth it. It it is worth it to get back into focus. And sometimes we lose sight of that, but it it is worth it in the end. And and not only that, I, I will say, too, that you will live a great life if you focus on building the kingdom of God. I, I certainly had. There, there's been a lot of joy for me doing this over the 11 or so years that I've been a Christian. It has not always been easy. It has been really hard. And, and there's been many times where I've fallen and, and had to rely on God's grace to get me back up. But um, it has been worth it every time that I have. And this will require sacrifice. You know, you're going to have to give up some things in life, but it is worth it. Be encouraged. This is real. Jesus is coming back. He's real. And, you know, he has the power to reward us. And one day we're all going to see how worth it this really is. So I'm going to leave you with how Paul encourages the Corinthians at the very end of this letter. May this encourage you as well. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing, because it's real, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you that it is indeed real and true. God, you know how hard this is for us. You know how difficult it is just to be surrounded in a world where all these things are so tempting to us. I pray for your grace this morning that you would help us to put this into practice, that we'd be able to build your kingdom. We need your help every day to do this. And I pray that this would be a community where we can help each other do that. So God, I pray for each person here. Speak directly to our hearts. Help us just discern where we're off. Please give us the power to get back on track. Thank you, God, so much for your kindness, your love to us to provide so so powerfully and wonderfully for us through Christ. We love you so much in your name. Amen.